Welcome to the Standard of Truth podcast. In this podcast, Dr. Garrett Dirkmont and Professor Richard LaDuke explore the early history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the life and teachings of Prophet Joseph Smith. They examine the original historical sources and provide context for events of the past. They approach the history of the Church with faith, expertise, and humor. Merry Christmas. I've played Santa several times in my ward, and uh, well, maybe I shouldn't be admitting that <laughs> on the air. Uh, we thought we would drop a special Christmas Day bonus to everybody listening. I think this was Richard's idea. It was. Uh, hello, Garrett. Um, I will say that uh, it was one of these things where we get to the end of the year, we wanted to do another thing with Christmas. It, it would be kind of weird to do it in January. And so we're squeezing it in, and so there's a there's a kind of a cool uh, story that Garrett. It's funny because open. Amazon doesn't think it's a problem to deliver my Christmas gifts in January. <laughs> no, they do not. I mean, it's, I, it, I mean, look, a lot of things. You know, it's incredible how quick it gets here. There are some things you order, and then like every other every other day, you get an update. Oh, your delivery's been delayed. It's been delayed. It's been delayed. It's in June. It's in what? <laughs> Did the did the country that manufacture this have a coup? What's going on? Why am I not able to get this? Well, we, we talked about, uh, you know, if you're listening to this, there's there's a good chance that you just listened to our Christmas episode, our episode talking about Christmas. That's right. This is the Christmas episode. This is. That's right. And we could regale you with tales of Christmases of, of your Richard's, Richard's Christmases as a child. Uh, we could talk about my Christmases. I still remember when uh, when I found out the truth. I, I can't share it here. What if we have mixed people listening? So, so by truth, you mean that you love Christmas? You were on the naughty list. That you did. What, what was the? What was your favorite Christmas gift that you ever? Uh, received. I could have said that you've ever given, but this is yeah, very when, selfish. When, when have I given this? Something? Was this follow yeah. him? Were we talking about like... Yeah, were we talking about other people? <laughs> no, no. What, wait, selfishly, what's the greatest Christmas <laughs> gift I've ever gotten? Boy, that's a tough one, honestly. Because my parents, my dad loved Christmas. And you know what? Frankly, for those of you who haven't listened to our other episode, you can actually thank Dutch people for the fact that you even have a Santa Claus. Okay, that's uh, the United States imports essentially Dutch Christmas traditions, and then it becomes mainstream. And you know, like, like the best way to describe it is there's a good portion of you listening who lived most of your life never knowing that there was a thing called an elf on the shelf, and now there's a good portion of you listening who wish you had never heard of a thing called the Elf on the Shelf. I think, is that? It's, it's very accurate. But it was very, ra- you see how rapidly it was adopted? I like, do. Like Darlene I, I do Love's uh, rendition of Christmas, it was as rapid as it possibly could be. And the adoption of Christmas with presents and 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 things like that was super rapid in, in America in the, in the later half of the 1800s. So uh, back to that question, Richard. What was your favorite uh, gift? Because, like I said, my dad loved loved Christmas. It came from Holland, loving Christmas, 
And so he went all out for Christmas. He was giddy. So my mom was new to Christmas. So so you're saying that as a Jewish woman growing up, she didn't celebrate Christmas as much. She did not. Not uh, as much, but no, still but she, celebrated Yeah, it. She, she jumped in. We had Carpenter's Christmas. We had one tape of Carpenter's Christmas. And we played that. What songs were on that? Oh, I, I know them all. They're just absolutely tremendous. Karen Carpenter had a, just a, a beautiful voice, and uh, we knew it was Christmas time because after Thanksgiving. Was this on just, an eight track? It was on a tape, cassette uh, tape. Cassette tape. Yeah, okay. we would just would play. We, that's the only. When I got married to Becky, she. It's the only Christmas songs I ever heard or ever listened to was just Carpenter's Christmas. I didn't know other songs existed. It was a whole new world that Becky opened me up to in terms of. Um, Perry Como and, and <laughs> InSync, sure. uh, Andy Williams, NSYNC Christmas, yeah. Oh, Andy Williams, absolutely. <laughs> Angie's family has uh, probably an unnatural love of Andy Williams. I mean, they love Andy Williams. Well, like, he's first of all, he's yes, incredible. He's iconic yeah, when course. it comes to Christmas songs. But those are the only Christmas songs they want to listen to. It's they know there. other songs exist. They're only going to listen to it. Fairly similar to mine in, in Carpenter's <laughs> Christmas. So my mom my mom really did try to uh, – they, they created a great Christmas. So mine was a Game Boy. Received a Game Boy for a Christmas. I don't remember how old I was. I was maybe 10, 11, whenever around the time that uh, that was coming out. I, I received a Game Boy. It was the greatest. And it came with Madden Football is one of the oh, games that I received. Man. And I didn't talk to anyone – for three straight months. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I always got great Christmas presents. My dad always was just great at getting me things. Um, and I loved Legos when I was a little kid. And I remember I wanted the, this giant Lego pirate ship, but it was, uh, beyond the limit that I had been told Santa was allowed to have his elves spend in the workshop. Uh, and so I didn't think I was going to get it. And I remember opening it and being ecstatic. It's this giant Lego pirate ship. And I'd play with the pirate ships all the time. Boy, I kind of want to go play with them right now, actually. You know, it's you funny, know? We, we do that with our kids where we generally uh, give a, a Lego set. Even for our older teenage kids, they still yeah. like putting together a Lego yeah. set on Christmas. It's, it's kind of funny. Fun. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. So... I remember um, one time, uh, I think I told this story last time though. So for those of you new to the podcast, I one time, uh, my worst present that I got was, um, so for several years in a row, Santa thought it was funny uh, to give me candied coal in my stocking. I don't know if it was a subtle reference, subtle hint. But it was it was kind of like a black licorice, uh, but it was hard and it looked like coal, but you could like suck on it. I I can't imagine that it was a very good. I mean, just the description of it. Yeah, it was like really hard black licorice that looked and had the consistency of coal that you'd put in your mouth. I mean, it's it, you know, but it was kind of a funny joke. And one year I go and I pull my stocking down and. There's that, you know, chunk of the candy coal. And so I pop it into my mouth. Real coal. Real coal. Well, Santa's got a rapier wit. Yeah. 
So after a couple of years of conditioning me to believing that it would be candy cold. Santa's playing the long game. Yes, Santa played the long game. He was like, that's, look, that's I'm great. not allowed to do what they used to do in, in Holland, and that is beat you, put you in a burlap bag, and take you down to Spain to work in the mines for a year. I'm not allowed to do that anymore, right? You know, these 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 child advocacy groups have stopped me from doing that. But I can still give you coal. Uh, and I need you to, you know, uh, so yeah, I, 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 I know what coal tastes like, like many West Virginia miners, because I had it in my mouth and I had cold dust on my face. Why I just went whole hog and tried to suck on the whole lump of coal. Nobody knows, but, uh, yeah, that was the worst present I ever received. Well, that's pretty good. There yeah. You go. What's the worst one you ever received? Please say something Becky gave you. <laughs> No, Becky's a great gift giver. Uh, she gives uh, she gives very sentimental and thoughtful gifts, and they they're always uh, pretty tremendous. Um, I, and I you can't, can't count anything your kids gave you because that's oh, always going to be garbage. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Yeah, yeah if nothing, you're listening nothing, to this right now, but... thanks for the socks. <laughs> seriously, seriously, no the the kids the kids do do okay uh, buying me gifts with with uh, with my money. Um, that is funny how that works. Yeah, it is. It's like, well, okay, well, that's good. I appreciate your sacrifice. <laughs> no, oh, I, I can't. What, Dad, you don't you don't want this gifts card of Robux for Roblox? I mean, I guess I'll use it if you don't want it. <laughs> that's, yeah, <laughs> that's basically much. what they do. No, they do. They do. Uh, they do a great job. So, but here you have a specific well, story. So uh, when we. On our Christmas episode, we talked about the history of Christmas in the church. And and I mean, obviously, in a microcosm, uh, just a small bit. But there was something I wanted to share because I thought it was fun and interesting. And I, I want to share with you a letter on this Christmas day um, from uh, a, a very important woman in church history that you may not know. I mean, I... I I sometimes assume that everybody knows her and, and yet sometimes I'll, I'll bring her up and people be like, Oh, Oh, okay. And, and her name's Aurelia Spencer Rogers. Uh, she is, uh, comes across the plains as, as a, as a child and, um, is prominent in church history because she is the one who founds the primary organization in the church. And she does it because she kind of decides that, well, the young men and young women, uh, the, the kids are not being thoroughly trained specifically for them. Uh, some of the earliest lessons were trying to train boys that it was wrong to steal fruit from other people's orchards. <laughs> so you can tell there's some problems there. Um, anyway, so she's essentially the founder of the primary and, uh, and of course, serves with it and does all kinds of uh, incredible things for the church. Well, uh, that was in, in, in the 1870s. And in 1916, a member of the primary general board, so now we're in the 20th century, writes her a letter. Uh, and, and in this letter, asks her about what was Christmas like? So that this this letter that the, the person's Marion uh, Belknap Kerr is the one who writes her a letter asking her, what was Christmas like when you were a child? What was Christmas like in Pioneer Days? And so I thought, you know what? Wouldn't this be fun to just kind of see what her response is? Now, 
at the time that she is, you know, responding, you know, she is, is quite, uh, elderly at this point. Um, she's been involved with the youth and things like that for, for, for quite a long time, uh, in her life, but she was born in 1834, right? So the quick math will let you know, she's, she, she's, she's, uh, she's, you know, she's older than Renee at this point. I mean, she's, uh, she's, uh, uh, in the latter stages of her life. And in fact, she's going to die, uh, 1922. So this is six years before her death that she's writing back, giving this information to sister Kerr, dear sister Kerr. I will endeavor to answer your questions of how we spent Christmas in pioneer days, what we had for dinner, what did our presents consist of, our amusements, etc. My first Christmas dinner in Utah was partaken in 1848 in the old fort at my uncle Daniel Spencer's table. So she has her one of her first Christmases uh, that she remembers right there as soon after she got to the valley. And that's one of the reasons why I think this is, uh, you know, she, like Wilfred Woodruff in our our Christmas episode, our Christmas, our episode about Christmas, but that didn't drop on Christmas. Christmas extravaganza was Yeah, because this is our Christmas episode. This okay. is a bonus episode, and that's why we can talk about why I ate coal. Um, actually, you know what? That makes no difference. We would have we would have done the same thing regardless. Um she said it was customary for every family to cook the best that they had on such occasions. Plenty of vegetables have been raised and corn dried in the fall. And I'm sure there must've been some kind of pudding for dessert. Our fruit consisted of service berries and choke cherries, which were gathered in the canyons. Now I have to admit, I'm not familiar with service berries. Uh, Richard, are you a huge service berry aficionado? <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Maybe we could have someone email the podcast and let us know about service berries. Now, I am familiar with choke cherries, but I've only ever made syrup from them, um, which we did by dumping massive quantities of sugar into the... the. So I'm guessing that... Uh, I, I don't know how they made that sweet, but sugar was scarce. And molasses was made from sugar cane, watermelons, and frozen squashes. So I didn't know if you know this, but this is a, a pioneer thing. Really, it's something they get from uh, German immigrants. You can take a watermelon and you can boil it down. And eventually, if you keep boiling and boiling and boiling, if you have like a 20-pound watermelon, you could get like a couple cups of of watermelon molasses, which is like a sweet-ish type of thing that's left over after you've boiled everything and strained everything away. And and so she's saying they use that as their sweetener because weren't a lot of uh, drugstores on the corner in 1848 Utah Territory where you could run by and buy a bag of sugar. Um, so they made it from sugar cane, watermelons, and frozen squashes. The juice having been boiled down into a syrup. Our amusements consisted mostly in dancing and having concerts. These exercises were opened and closed with prayer. We never lacked for music or musicians, for we had both brass and martial bands. So there was both 
the military bands that they had, and then they also had brass bands. I always think it's funny that people will confuse Latter-day Saints with other radical Protestant groups that, you know, believe that music is wrong or that dancing is wrong, you know, that, that not only did they film Footloose in Utah, but also that's what the laws are like in Utah. Uh, the reality is, you know, dancing's always been a part of Latter-day Saint history and culture. Uh, dancing, the arts, I mean, Brigham Young was, you know, a, a, a leading role in multiple plays that were put on in Nauvoo. I mean, so, uh, the Latter-day Saints have actually a long history of loving music and dancing. Now, we love dancing. We're we're just terrible at it, as I've said before. We're not good dancers, at least not those of us Latter-day Saints who live in the United States. No doubt we have many Latter-day Saints from other places in the world who are incredible dancers, um, and, and they can probably email us and let us know how, how wrong we are about dancing. At any rate. Um, dancing is always a big part of every Latter-day Saint celebration. As there was no money to buy presents, suitable matters were worked on cardboard, crochet work, gloves, and mittens were knit. Rag dolls were made and dressed for the little girls, sleds and wagons for the boys. The stockings, so if you ever, what's in an early pioneer stocking? The stockings were generally filled with homemade molasses candy, donuts, ginger cake made into funny shapes, popcorn, etc., which made the children very happy. I, I always think it's interesting when you read about uh, this kind of mid-19th century, you know, uh, things that are put in stockings. It is almost always food. When you think about it, when you when you don't really get a whole lot of sugar, there's there's no hostess, okay? When you don't get a whole lot of sugar in your diet, I mean, uh, a, a little bit of food. But it always makes me think, okay, I'm pretty sure the socks that they're hanging up are like literally the socks that they wear. So like, I'm hoping these are clean socks. I mean, I, I like donuts as well as the next guy. But I'm not so sure I want to eat donuts out of my sock. Well, after I've been working in the field all day. Well, you know, if you haven't had sugar, maybe, you know, you're, the bar is lowered on what you're I feel to. like the bar is lowered a lot when you're a pioneer. Yeah, you're more like than it. willing to be okay with things. Our neighbors, so this is an interesting aspect of Christmas. Let me, about pioneer Christmas, that's different than the way we tend to celebrate Christmas. Richard and I were just talking about, uh, you know, in, in our show prep, which consisted of, well, I, I think hitting play and trying to find a way to uh, turn down the heat because it was so hot in the quote-unquote studio. For those of you who think we are in a soundproof room, even though you can hear when trains go by, we're not. And uh, uh, in this... Uh, spare room in my house as we record. Um, Christmas is generally for people today. It is all about family, right? Uh, I mean, you got to get together with your family for Christmas. Every Hallmark show you've ever watched is about getting home to your family for Christmas. And also being a rich investment banker woman who hasn't found love and then moving out to the country because you were trying to foreclose on some guy's farm and he ends up being an attractive guy. And then you end up hating each other at first, but falling in love and stopping the company from foreclosing. Am I right? Yeah. That's every, every single Hallmark movie ever. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hallmark. You had a hard time with Hallmark. Yeah. Are you from Baltimore? Yeah, Baltimore. Yeah. For Hallmark. It's for Hallmark. Hallmark. Um, So it's interesting because I would say that if you were to ask people, what holiday is it most important that you spend with your family? You would probably get two answers. You'd get Thanksgiving and Christmas. But I would say if you had to choose, right, you would say of of those days, the one that you spend with more extended family is usually more Thanksgiving than Christmas, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, everyone has different family traditions. There's probably several people shaking their fists at the iPhone right now saying, I have an Android. I want this play. <laughs> or saying, no, I have all my family on the 4th of July. How do you? I mean. Well, I in my wife's family, my father-in-law's birthday is the 4th of July. And so the 4th of July actually is yep. their, That's the, the biggest family day. That's I mean, the day. Every, so it is different in every family. But I just think in general. So what is interesting about the celebration of Christmas in pioneer times and in the past is that it's not a family holiday. Now, not to say that you don't want to be with your family, but even the way that Joseph Smith celebrated it, the way you celebrated Christmas was by having your friends over as with your family, right? You, you went to someone else's dinner or you had a dinner with other people there in a way that I think, frankly, if you were to ask your friend, if I were to ask Richard, Richard, would you like to come down to my house on Christmas? He would say, are you insane? I've, we've got everything going on at my house, right? Because that's how Christmas is centered, how it's or, organized. So she is, it, it, one of the things she points out is that neighbors were a big part of the celebration. Our neighbors were remembered on that day by sending some of them our fare and inviting them to eat with us. So usually you were having Christmas dinner with your neighbors not just your family. The poor were always remembered in a substantial way. People raised their own beef and pork, and I do not think there was ever a pig or beef killed, but what a piece was sent to the nearest neighbors. It was customary in those days to hold a Thursday evening prayer meeting every week, and this practice was continued for many years by the whole church, and our fast meetings were originally held the first Thursday of every month. So that's an aspect of church history I think a lot of people don't know. You used to have your fast meeting on Thursday, right? As opposed to on the first Sunday of every month. It was was Thursday. That's why we drop the podcast on Thursdays. In order, because we want people to be fasting when they listen to our podcast. They need to be spiritually prepared. For the podcast, for the for this podcast, <laughs> I I, you're right. That, I, I mean, we, even t- well, I did talk head. about eating coal. <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, when you talk about low bars, the Standard of Truth podcast, <laughs> we are that bar. We 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 should be the bar that you judge all other podcasts by. When you say, you know what, this is this is not as bad as the Standard of Truth podcast. <laughs> um, she goes on to say in closing her letter. Now, dear sister, please excuse this scribble as my eyes are very dim or I might copy it and make it look a little better. Please arrange the items to suit yourself and oblige. And then she signs it, a member of the board, meaning a primary general board, Aurelia Spencer Rogers. So I thought it was fun to get this, this letter, this original letter, that where she describes the type of, of Christmas that they had. 
Of course, the most important part of Christmas, uh, you'll hear so many dozens of times in the lead up to Christmas and in uh, to Christmas itself. Uh, the most important part is is remembering our Lord and Savior Jesus, and that's what we hope that the standard of truth has been for you uh, this year is a, a way to bolster and strengthen your testimony, not only in the atonement of Jesus Christ, but also in the church that uh, the Savior restored to the earth through the prophet Joseph Smith and continues to lead through prophets and apostles. We hope you have the merriest Christmas that you are joining us again uh, after the new year, after you've put away that that eggnog, and you're uh, you're ready to make a New Year's resolution, which is, I'm going to listen to even more Standard <laughs> of Truth podcast. Why? Because I deserve to be punished. <laughs> I, I deserve uh, to, to be better. But honestly, thank you so much for your support. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Standard of Truth podcast, hosted by historian Dr. Garrett Dirkmott. If you know anybody that could benefit from the material in this episode, please share it with them. And for more resources, visit standardoftruth.com. Until next time.